Welcome to the Crushing Cash Flow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome to Crushing Cashflow. I am your host, Andrew Shutsky, and with me today uh, is Jimmy Clark. We're going to talk a little bit about insurance and insurance coverage with an expert in the field. Jimmy is a Senior Vice President and Commercial Insurance Division Account Director for Harden, one of Southeast's leading insurance, risk management, and employee benefits firms. Jimmy has also held the additional responsibility of managing the business developments of Harden's Tampa office and leads the real estate practice group. Jimmy, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us a, a little bit about yourself and, and about Harden to start off. Yeah. So we've actually had some changes at Harden. Uh, recently, uh, the partners, including myself, decided to, uh, to, to roll into, um, into Arthur J. Gallagher, one of the top five insurance brokerage firms, uh, just as a strategic, uh, tr- strategic alliance to, to better fit our, our clients that were, were growing nationwide. And in that role, um, part of the acquisition was uh, they actually named me the, uh, the managing director of the Southeast for the real estate practice group. Um, so, so we have a little more breadth and, and deeper knowledge and about 35,000 new teammates. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So about yourself, how did you get into the world of, of uh, insurance? Were you an investor or how, how did you fall into this? Yeah, so I, I actually in college had a uh, IT web hosting company and, uh, you know, very much like real estate. Uh, one of the things I really liked about, about the web hosting business was reoccurring revenue. You know, I knew I'd wake up every morning uh, and, you know, I'd, I'd literally watch the transactions hit and it always felt good not having to sell something every single time you wanted to eat. So insurance, insurance aligned actually to me with, with IT because you're explaining very difficult comp or different, difficult, uh, thoughts and contracts and things people usually don't understand to very smart people who don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking complex things and, and, and explaining it to people, um, in a, in a meaningful way. And it, and, you know, once again, love reoccurring, reoccurring revenue. Interesting. I've, I've been in the technology side of the world for, I don't know, 20 plus years and counting, actually longer than that. And I haven't made the connection to insurance yet, interesting enough. <laughs> so, yeah, well, and, and, and I felt like Warren Buffett couldn't be wrong. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, he, cho- he chose insurance and I thought that probably wasn't a, a terrible idea. This is true. This is true. So from an investor standpoint, a lot of our listeners are investors in real estate, as you know, single family, a lot of guys in multifamily what should they be looking at? I mean, there, there's oftentimes you'll go into a deal and then after the fact, you'll start to look for covers, start to pull quotes together. What should be top of mind, top three, four or five things in their mind? You know, the, the problem I, I see um, in particular with uh, multifamily investors is they're, they're underwriting uh, the, you know, the deal based on a kind of a per door cost, just what they see on average, right? So they don't, they don't a lot of times dive into the detail or in their due diligence, they, you know, insurance a lot of times after an afterthought, and then things come out that explode in their face that 
they're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is this is double, triple the the insurance costs. We weren't expecting this. So, so some of the things that that I see happen, um, and I'll just kind of start off with focusing on if I was going to go acquire a new multifamily asset, is you know somebody will take it, look at what the the person's been paying for insurance, and just kind of roll that in. Say, ah, if they're getting that deal, I can get that deal, right? Um, what you find in the multifamily world is you have a lot of uh, high net worth individuals who may or may not even have debt on the property. Um, so they'll choose to buy limited insurance. So, you know, if, if you're in California, they, they don't buy earthquake. If you're in Florida, they just, uh, they don't buy wind insurance or, you know, they, they'll just buy literally fire insurance on the building or just slip and fall insurance because, you know, all insurance is different. Every, every single carrier is different. Every single insurance policy is different. There's nothing that's concurrent. So if, if you're going to take debt on uh, a property, uh, to me, what what I would do is uh, is a handful of things. Is first of all, in your initial due diligence request, immediately request the loss runs. So this is something else we find is you know somebody's about to sell an asset. Well, they might have some existing litigation, a slip and fall, you know, something that terribly terrible happened on the property, two or three hundred thousand dollar loss that now is going to roll onto your asset and basically scare all the insurance carriers away, right? So you, you want to get the loss runs because that gives you a five-year picture and look back at the problems uh, the problems the properties had. And to me, it also kind of gives you a, a window to see what problems they may may have had that, you know, a lot, I, I would assume most most brokers trying to sell the property aren't going to highlight the, the things that go wrong. So what the you, you'll be able to see are, you know, are you having problems with your pipes? Are there leaks? Are there um, other kind of property damage issues that will pop up that otherwise, you know, they might minimize while, while they're, they're, they're trying to sell that to you. Um, the second piece is once you start to figure out um, you know, who's going to put your debt in place is get the insurance requirements, uh, have your insurance professional run a replacement cost estimator. Um, I, I know a lot of people just kind of wait on their appraisal, uh, but pretty much every insurance agent has access to uh, a Marshall and Swift software that the appraisers use as well. Have them run the replacement cost estimator and um, and come up with a good pro forma, in particular, if you can get your hands on those loss runs so that you go in with a with a good number and hopefully you'll have some bank requirements you can share with them right because you know if you're securitizing the debt doing cbs debt or if you know you're you're going through government debt or life coast um the insurance the insurance coverage requirements vary wildly um so you know cbs is probably the most you know the, the most stringent debt you can you can procure uh and will also drive your insurance costs up so to me, as you're walking into a deal, um, you know those are the handful of things that I'd be asking for, just to make sure you have a uh, a good number, because you don't want to underwrite it at 300 a door and ends up at 750 because yeah. of losses and in insurance requirements, which Absolutely. we've seen happen plenty of times. I'm sure. So back to the the loss, Ron. What's a appropriate uh, amount of years to go back? Is it three years? Is it five years? What's what's typical? So if we're sharing it with another insurance carrier, uh, we typically are giving them five years of losses. Um, if I'm buying the asset, if I'm you know, going to invest in a deal, uh, I want to get as many years back as I possibly can. Uh, once again, it's a great window to look and see what kind of problems the, uh, the property's had. No, that's a great tip. So in terms of coverage, are there certain areas or clauses that people typically will skimp on that are no-nos in your perspective? 
Yeah, you know, there's there's a handful of 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 issues we run into. So, you know, the some of the let's just start with what the insurance carriers are doing today. Um, you know, the if you own multifamily right now, um, you probably have an idea of what's happening in the insurance marketplace. Rates are going up. Uh, you know, your property insurance, your general liability is probably going up 10 to 20 percent. Um, and, you know, your umbrella limits can be going up for the same amount of limits anywhere between 30 to 200 percent um, to keep the same amount of limits. So, so right now we, we have a lot of clients really looking hard at how much umbrella limit they're buying um, just because costs are going up so so quickly. And, and just to kind of give you a precedent for that, um, 2020, while we were all hanging out on you know the insides of our houses, uh, there, it, we actually set a record uh, for the amount of events that were over $1 billion in losses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was a horrible, horrible loss year for the overall insurance marketplace. Uh, a lot of carriers lost money. Um, so you're seeing that knee-jerk reaction now. And that was actually rolling into a very, very bad 2019 year where the carriers were losing money. And just, and just like, uh, just like the, the, you know, the debt world, uh, insurance money uh, was coming out, coming in, chasing yield, driving rates down for about 10 years. Uh, because, you know, if they can't make money on a on a T-bill, people were, you know, looking at alternative investments like insurance. So we saw it happen. We saw a ton of capital rush into the marketplace. Now, you know, they underpriced the insurance and now it's catching up to them. Um, so that's kind of the first piece is, is we're seeing people skimp on limits, but that's because their performance can't support or their, you know, the, the projects can't support buying the same amount of limits. Um, COVID has, uh, and, and these losses have added additional endorsements that are, are truly problematic. Um, they, they're a lot of the, the multifamily, uh, the multifamily, uh, insurance carriers that kind of focus on that business, um, are excluding now of sexual abuse and molestation. Uh, so, you know, think about that. If, if you have, uh, you know, A, an employee, uh, or, you know, even potentially depending on how the endorsement reads, somebody, somebody on site who comes and abuses, molests, rapes somebody on property and, you know, and you get sued because of lack of security or whatever, depending on the wording of the endorsement, there may be no coverage, uh, which also kind of couples with uh, assault and battery exclusions. Um, you know, depending on the asset classes, I mean, truly any asset class can have this, but you typically will see it in class C. Um, see apartments is assault and battery exclusions. You get fights, people, you know, shooting each other, et cetera. Uh, these are very, very common. And, uh, if they are not excluding it, they're also trying to sublimit the coverage. Uh, and it's becoming increasingly hard to find. And, you know, the, the kind of what I explained to my clients, you know, they're like, well, is it, is it bad that they're excluding this? And I said, well, the reason they're excluding it is because it is bad, uh, because that means that's where they've been paying losses, right? Insurance carriers aren't going to run and jump and exclude the uh, the coverages that uh, they never pay losses on. Uh, they're going to pay it on the stuff they're scared of. Um, so, you know, those those two exclusions could be scary and you, you got to have to work through it. And the third we're seeing more often, we, we saw it pro- predominantly on condo properties, but we're seeing it creep into to uh, to um, multifamily 
is animal exclusions, dog bites, dog attacks, etc. Um, you know, the, the things I would tell you uh, is if you do have uh, in your, your, your policies rules around what kind of breeds that you have, make sure you're enforcing that. Don't let people bring, you know, kind of the, the, the scary dogs uh, onto property. Uh, because, you know, the, the carrier's exclusions a lot of times will match up with uh, the breeds that are, are tend to be um, the more aggressive be- breeds. Uh, great tips. Great tips. It's all stuff that you probably wouldn't think of, but we do live in a pretty crazy world. So you got to prepare yep. for the worst case a lot of times. Yep. What about, uh, there, there are some things that come to mind that maybe people are overinsured. There are tips that you would recommend to save money or things to look at as well. Yeah, the I, I find a lot of a lot of folks will you know they're they're so focused on the overall price. Uh, the way I I look at insurance, the first dollar of insurance is your most expensive dollar, right? Because that's going to be what's paid the the most often. Uh, so to me, I think where where you should try to get savings is taking bigger retentions and bigger deductibles. Uh, you know, so if you're not taking a deductible on your general liability at all. Maybe look at a five or ten thousand um, dollar deductible. And my my general rule of thumb, and you know, I think most investors will look at this uh, the same way, is what's the payback period, right? So if you take a ten thousand dollar deductible on your general liability, and it's going to save you three grand a year, and you tr- you traditionally don't have claims, you net, you look at the loss runs, they haven't had claims for five years. Well, that's a that's a pretty good payback, right? But if you take a $10,000 deductible and you're saving $100 a year, it's, it's probably not worth it. But right now, looking at retentions and also having your, um, you know, your insurance advisor look at kind of what, what's been coming out case law-wise in your, your specific state or jurisdiction of, uh, of large losses to see how much umbrella you really should be buying. Um, you know, historically, once again, when capital was cheap, we could go out buy fifty, hundred million dollars of umbrella for nothing. Uh, the carriers are giving it away, three hundred dollars per million of coverage. Um, but as th- those costs ramp up, now it's more important to kind of dive into analytics, look at large claim losses, and make your decisions based on what's happened around those assets, versus just kind of you know sticking your thumb in the air and feel like oh five million dollars is a good number. Uh, well, see see kind of what precedent has been recently in in your your county or you know kind of over the, your, your state. That's a great tip. Thanks for that. Uh, let, last real question around more of the, the coverage side of things. Uh, I know you're in, you're in Florida, right? So everybody's thinking if you're investing near the coast, a- any tips for how to look for uh, risk via flood zones, or I believe it's FEMA coverage. How, how do you go about assessing the ins and outs of that? Yeah. So there's, it's, it's actually kind of funny. The, um, you know, everybody looks at Florida as you know, the, the, the you know, what I call the smile states, right? So, uh, you know, New York all the way, uh, you know, through Texas, um, you know, as, as the big wind, scary, scary risks. Uh, but honestly, uh, those assets haven't been as negatively impacted as, you know, a lot of assets in the Midwest. Um, you know, the, the, big ri- the big things that are, are hurting a lot of assets right now are actually wind and hail damage claims. Um, so, you know, when, when you're looking at an asset, I kind of categorize a handful of things that you should be looking at. So, you know, first of all, obviously wind risks. So, uh, you know, wind risks, you want to be looking at what your windows are and, uh, what your roofs are rated for. 
uh, flood risks, you want to get your hands on the elevation certificates during due diligence, or you can look up online what the, uh, the, the flood zone that you're in. Um, you know, my general thought is you want to buy flood as often as you can, um, you know, even if you're outside of a flood zone. Uh, third is earthquake. Um, you know, I do a lot of business up in Charleston, and it still just baffles me that a lot of people in Charleston think that, uh, you know, they don't have earthquake risk when, you know, the city was almost completely taken down 100 years ago, and they're, they're almost as due as California for a, a major earthquake. But, you know, look at where the asset sits from a kind of a, a shaking uh, perspective. And then, you know, you have sinkhole risks uh, amongst, you know, uh, wind hail risks. Uh, you know, look at kind of what the roofs are. Um, you know, one one of the big things we're looking at now um, for uh, the hail issues that we're having is if you have HVAC equipment on top, there's companies that will come out and install mesh, but, you know, it's more or less just chicken wire you put around your AC units uh, that stop full impact of hail that destroys your, your AC units. Um, so kind of do an overall risk of those those handful of things. And once again, you know, a lot of insurance agents, um, you know, including ourselves, can put in the address and it literally spits out all the information on every single one of those risks. So as you're doing due diligence, you know, have them run it through or if you have a portfolio, have them run it through the, the, the entire portfolio through their their um, their systems. That's great. It's certainly a much more comprehensive answer and covered all the risks rather than just flood, which I was thinking about. So I appreciate that. You have a, a certain you know case study in mind. Yeah, everybody can rename, rename, remain anonymous here, but an example in the last you know four, five, six, eight months, whatever it may be, from a client or yourself, you say, "Hey, don't do this or don't do that." From an insurance perspective, that'd be great. Yeah, um, outside of outside of the standard client just saying, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to pay for insurance at all. <laughs> um, you know the. What, what I have found is another thing some of the carriers are trying to do uh, that my clients will, will often look at because it's cheaper is, um, is switching their roofs to actual cash value valuation. Uh, roof coverings I'm generally okay with, um, but you know where they basically say if the building burns down, if there's a wind event, if there's a hail event, uh, if there's anything that damages the roof, we're not going to fully replace the roof. We're going to give you the depreciated value of the roof, right? So, um, and I would tell you a lot of carriers are doing this. So if your roof is 10 or 15 years old and a fire breaks out or, you know, a, a wind event happens, um, they're going to give you what the depreciated value of that 15-year-old roof is. You want to guess what the depreciated value of a 15-year-old roof that's good for 15 years is? is about zero. So, you know, unless you have massive reserves sitting around, uh, you know, to, to me, that, that has been, once again, a common discussion I've been having with multiple clients of, hey, unless you have $100,000 sitting around to replace your roof, you might want to spend a little more money and go with a carrier that, that isn't putting actual cash value on your roofs. Um, and I can relate to that. I mean, just, just for, for those listening too, I mean, hundred thousand dollars, this could be on the low end too. Like we have a, you know, I think 13, 14 units or 13, 14 different buildings in a property we're looking at now. It's upward of $300,000 to replace. Right. So and that's, pretty expensive. And, that, and that's $300,000. If there's just roofers readily available, you know, yeah. imagine what that number does when uh, there's a, there's a big event. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is all really great. We'll have to go back and, and reel through this a couple of times. Lots of great content to impact. Uh, last question for you. How can we get in touch with you? 
Uh, you can email me at jclark, J-C-L-A-R-K, at harden, H-A-R-D-E-N, insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-T dot com. And I'm, and I'm more than happy uh, that you don't have to do business with me. I, I live and breathe real estate. So uh, if anybody just wants to run general questions by me or, or whatever, I'm usually just fine. I'll, I'll give you some thoughts. You can take it back to your agent. I'm, I'm more than happy to help, help out any of your listeners. Fantastic. Hopefully we take up on it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cashflow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey, and we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come.